Hello and welcome to the Respiratory Exchange Podcast. I'm your host, Traed Wake, Chairman of the Respiratory Institute at Cleveland Clinic. This podcast is intended for healthcare providers and covers topics related to respiratory health and disease. My colleagues and I would be interviewing experts about timeless and timely topics in the areas of pulmonary, critical care, allergy, sleep, and infectious disease. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to a new episode uh, of the Respiratory Exchange. I'm your host, Raed Dwake, the chairman of the Respiratory Institute at the Cleveland Clinic. And my guest today is Dr. Rachel Talarcio. Dr. Talarcio wears several hats in the Respiratory Institute, including the patient experience officer, and she also the director of the pulmonary clinic. But she's here with us today because she founded and currently directs the chronic cough clinic at the Respiratory Institute. And we're going to try to tap into her expertise into this area. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you for having me. So, Rachel, let's start with the basics. Tell us, what does make a cough a chronic cough and what causes it? We define chronic cough as a cough that's lasting eight weeks or longer, which means it doesn't take a lot to have a chronic cough. You know, we think of chronic cough as being years to decades, but it's a cough that lingers for more than eight weeks. Yeah. So what are the common causes and maybe some of the not so common causes of chronic cough? So when you think of chronic cough as a whole, if you're looking at that 25,000 foot view, there are four main causes. Where's the condition called upper airway cough syndrome, which is a fancy way of saying you have post-nasal drip. So you have allergic or non-allergic rhinitis, chronic sinus disease, causing drainage that is then creating a cough. This condition is very common. And the interesting thing about it is that the treatment response is days to weeks. So you can often treat empirically for this condition because you're not committing the patient to a lot of medication therapy. We use medications like intranasal steroids, second-generation antihistamines, intranasal anticholinergics. Importantly, the presence of allergy, so a patient who has a history of allergy, does not mean that the allergy is causing the cough. The symptoms and the history are not exactly something that's consistent among patients. So this is something that it's reasonable to treat empirically for if a patient has a cough that doesn't go away. Yeah, thank you. You know, cough is one of these things that all of us kind of see in clinic and pulmonary and even in general practice. And, you know, I remember when we heard that you had a cough clinic, we started sending all our patients to you. So some cough, uh, you know, patients with cough can be kind of difficult to manage and treat. So what's uh, typical patients you see in your chronic cough clinic? That's exactly right. We forget about the patients where the diagnosis is pretty easy and straightforward and we can help patients feel better. What more sticks out in our mind are the patients that we have a hard time helping and giving them relief from cough. So you have upper airway cough syndrome. Asthma is a very common cause of chronic cough. Asthma, of course, is a common chronic condition and it causes a chronic cough. We think of asthma as traditionally being breathlessness and wheezing and chest tightness accompanied by a cough episodic, variable in intensity and duration, there is a subset of patients with asthma who primarily just cough. So think about cough variant asthma in patients who present with chronic cough. Then we have non-asthmatic eosinophilic bronchitis. This is a condition that I think causes some confusion 
among you know, general providers and patients that get referred to us. This condition, think of this as eosinophilic inflammation without bronchospasm. We commonly find this in patients after we get an exhaled nitric oxide level, and the level sky high. I've seen as high as 150 or 200. This condition responds very well to a several-month course of high-dose inhaled steroids. And then finally, we have GERD. So GERD is tough in chronic cough. Yeah, gastroesophageal reflux disease. It's yes. a big category, yeah. Yes. The mechanism of GERD-induced cough is still unclear. And treating empirically for chronic cough due to GERD in the absence of what patients will describe as reflux or heartburn is really something that doesn't make sense. If a patient has a chronic cough and they have heartburn, reflux, they have a traditional clinical history that supports that. You can put them on a twice daily proton pump inhibitor. You need high dose to get near complete resolution of the acid reflux. The difficult thing with GERD induced cough is that it takes several months to really achieve resolution and patients, they of course want to feel better right away. So you have to be patient. If you really think heartburn is causing the cough, you want to do an empiric treatment trial for at least three months before you say that it didn't work. So how often, and that's I think is a big uh, important area, how often do you end up doing like a pH monitor oh, yeah. uh, for GERD or a, uh, a methacholine challenge to document or rule out asthma? It's pretty fascinating when you look at the research that's been done for reflux GERD-induced cough. Over 40% of patients that have positive pH testing and a chronic cough don't respond to therapy. Mm. So we think it's not so much the pH of the acid reflux as it is the volume of the reflux that's going into the distal esophagus. So if you have a high suspicion for this, you want to take patients off of their proton pump inhibitor therapy for at least seven days. We recommend doing an upper esophageal study with Bravo and impedance because we want to see not only the acid reflux, but also the movement of the reflux into the distal esophagus. So that's a key piece of this. Ultimately, though, you can have reflux and have a chronic cough and still not respond to therapy, so it can be tricky. Wow. How about uh, methacholine for asthma? Yeah. So methacholine challenge tests, we use a lot in clinic. I think of this as particularly helpful in patients who you suspect have cough variant asthma and have a normal spirometry without a bronchodilator response. If you still suspect that inflammatory airway disease could be causing the cough, a methacholine challenge can be very helpful. That's great. So what's a typical patient like that you see in your clinic, uh, demographics, et cetera? Yeah. So I want to preface this by saying that my cough practice is a little different than you see in other clinics. In a specialized cough clinic, I'm often seeing patients who have been to many other healthcare providers. So our patient is usually in their 50s or 60s. Chronic cough is a disease of older adulthood mostly. These patients are mostly female, but I do see men in my practice that have chronic cough. And the mean duration of cough in our clinic is eight years. It's not uncommon for us to see patients who have had decades of cough. That's pretty 
impressive. So let's say as a specialist or a generalist, I send a patient uh, with chronic cough that I no longer can figure out or manage to your clinic. What should I tell them to expect when they come to see you in a chronic, specialized chronic cough clinic? Yeah, so ideally, we've done a record review. So we do reach out to patients once we get a referral and review their medical history. These patients have often seen multiple specialists and undergone a lot of tests. So we don't want to put patients through any unnecessary testing. So we review records, we try to get all of the imaging. Review that ahead of time. One of the successes I feel of a chronic cough clinic is to be multidisciplinary. We have a lot of patients that come from out of town. So with this record review, we can often decide or determine if a visit with gastroenterology and or ear, nose, and throat is something that we want to accompany, you know, have the patient accompany with the visit. So that record review is important. All of our patients get a chest x-ray if they haven't had imaging done within the previous year. And all of our patients get spirometry with bronchodilator and exhaled NO. So any other specialized testing you do, or is it based on your initial evaluation? So that's the only pre-testing that we get is the chest x-ray, the spirometry with bronchodilator and exhaled NO. And then based on that, based on the clinical history of the patient, which is key, and really you can get the diagnosis from just talking to the patient, then we order testing as appropriate. That's great. And I know for chronic diseases in general, I think cough is no exception, as usually we don't always cure it. Sometimes we do, but sometimes we uh, often we don't. So what are some of the management strategies you've uh, kind of employed in addition to medical treatment in these patients? So it's as important as offering medical therapy. The communication skills that you employ during the visit are critical to the success of the visit and the patient experience. When you see a patient with chronic cough in your clinic, especially a patient who's been dealing with this for years without relief, I challenge you at the beginning of the visit to let the patient talk uninterrupted. This is hard to do. It's not an easy one, yeah. This is not easy. We know what, we, what the answers we want. So we that's right. We've, we've sometimes come that's, to the conclusion before we've walked right, in the door. Yeah. So open up the visit with tell me about your cough from when it first started. I promise you, patients, as a general rule, will only talk for a couple of minutes. We mm. remember the exception. We remember the patient that seemed to go on forever. And have like multiple pages of documented. <laughs> yes. uh, and have the huge stack of records. Yeah. Patients often tell me that they feel like no one has ever truly listened to them, listened to the story of their cough. So tell me about your cough from when it first started and letting them talk uninterrupted is a very empathic way to start the visit. Additionally, validation. Most patients tell me, and again, this is their perception. This is not to say that this is what providers are doing, but the patient's perception is that they feel dismissed. You know, cough is pretty common. It's a cough. Gosh, you could have a lot of worse things in your life that could happen. And just been told to deal with it. They also feel like the cough is their fault or it's something that they should have control over. So validation, validating that this is real, that it's nothing they did wrong, that it's nothing that they can have control over in the sense that it's a real condition is extremely important. And you can 
have a therapeutic visit by just validating a patient's concerns. And they will often tell me that it's the first time that they've heard that. And they get this enormous sense of relief when they're told that, yes, this can be disabling. Patients often tell me that there's an extreme social isolation with the cough, especially with COVID. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And actually, even before that, I remember many patients don't come because they are worried because like their friends, family, co-workers, yes. they're like, this cough is awful. You need to see somebody. And they feel the pressure to go see somebody. Do they you, feel the pressure. Do you have the same experience? Absolutely. Yeah. We, we like to joke that a majority of our referrals, the self-referrals, come from the spouse or the partner. Yeah, it's like the snoring, I guess. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> that's a good one. So the patients have gotten used to it. But there's a lot of social isolation that these patients feel. They stop going out shopping. They stop going to when we were going to the movies or going out to eat. So validation is key. And then thirdly, it's managing expectations. So it's very important to say, what are you hoping for with this visit? And patients often have a realistic sense. If I see a patient that's been coughing for 30 years, it's like with chronic pain. They don't necessarily expect that their cough is going to go away. I tell a patient, the longer you've been coughing, the harder it is to get to zero. We're going to do our best to get there. How would you feel if we get 80%? And they're like, oh my gosh, that would yeah, be, <laughs> you know, that would be great. So managing expectations is another key part of the visit. That's great. You mentioned, again, managing expectations and validation. What about actual, you know, the medical management of these patients? What are some of your strategies you use uh, to kind of get that chronic cough to improve? So it's very important to use guideline-based therapy. Empiric trials are appropriate if the clinical history suggests. So if you suspect a component of upper airway cough syndrome, again, the treatment response is days to weeks. You can try a combination of intranasal steroids and second-generation antihistamines. If you think cough variant asthma is playing a role, even a, a short course of empiric systemic steroids is appropriate, or high-dose inhaled steroids with a long-acting bronchodilator. Similarly, with heartburn, again, if you have a clinical history that supports it, an empiric trial is appropriate. Most of the patients that I see have conditions called refractory chronic cough or unexplained chronic cough. And it's very important that you use this terminology, not only to help patients, but when you're communicating with other providers. Oh, that's a great point. Just to kind of recognize that this is a chronic uh, and not responsive to treatment makes people, people feel mm -hmm. better about it uh, in general. So uh, I know in addition to these you know, traditional, I mean, we call them uh, treatment approaches that you mentioned so far. There are some new developments on the horizon and actually happening right now with cough treatment and stuff. Can you share with us some of those? Yeah, there are some very exciting developments in the area of chronic cough. We have not had a medication approved in decades to manage chronic cough. So when you think about this patient population, refractory chronic cough refers to a patient with the known conditions whose cough persists despite adherence to appropriate therapy. Unexplained chronic cough is what I see a majority of my patients in clinic. It's where you've looked for everything that could be causing it, you don't find it. You've tried the appropriate empiric treatment trials and they don't work. So this, this phenomenon of unexplained chronic cough almost always 
has a characteristic of what we call cough hypersensitivity syndrome. When you look at chronic cough research and how we manage cough, one of the things that can be challenging or confusing is that we can't agree on what to call it. Hmm. So as pulmonologists, we call this condition cough hypersensitivity syndrome. In the ear, nose, and throat literature, you'll often see it referred to as neuropathic or neurogenic cough, irritable larynx. So that can be confusing for providers and patients. So this area of cough hypersensitivity syndrome is where all of the drug development or most of the drug development is. So when you think of these patients, all of them have a characteristic of a heightened or sensitive cough reflex. And this, they have a very classic history that accompanies this. So they have thermal, mechanical, and chemical triggers to their cough. And so, for example, patients will report a history of very cold air causing the cough. So that's what we think of like thermal triggers. Mechanical triggers are talking and laughing, swallowing. So these patients often get treated for GERD when they don't have GERD because they'll say that swallowing food triggers their cough. And then we have the chemical stimuli, which are strong odors. So these patients have a very classic history, patients with cough hypersensitivity syndrome. And there's exciting drug development in this area. So Merck has a medication called Jefepixent, which is a P2X3 receptor antagonist that was submitted to the FDA in March of this year. And so we're hoping that it gets approved by the end of this year or early next year, because this will be the first medication that we have to help these patients. Oh, that's great. At least the good news on the horizon. Of course, like many other chronic illnesses, it's usually a team approach in medicine, regardless of the disease. Is cough the same way? You think you collaborate with other specialties or is it you, you take them, tag you or it when you see these patients? <laughs> No, absolutely. A team approach is key. So having collaborative relationships with otolaryngologists, what we refer to as ENT doctors, gastroenterologists, allergists play a role, particularly if, if we're thinking of upper airway cough syndrome. And then key, which we haven't had a chance to talk about, are speech language pathologists. So for patients with cough hypersensitivity syndrome, a majority of these patients get off-label use of neuromodulator therapy in addition to behavioral cough suppression therapy. And that has the best chance of success of providing relief from cough. Yeah, so that's uh, great. And I, I don't know if there's certain cases come to mind that you'd like to share with our audience. I remember, can't forget actually this case, almost uh, early on in my career, I saw this patient was referred from really uh, far out of town who had a Nissen fund application because they thought her cough was caused by reflux. And it, the cough did not go away. So she was coming actually for a revision. So I saw her as a consult from the surgeon who was going to mm -hmm. revise her Nissen fund application. And I just did, as you said, took a history and found out that she really has asthma, you know, an mm -hmm. undiagnosed asthma, did a methacholine challenge, was very positive, treated her with inhalers and never coughed again. So, you know, this is like to me a dramatic story where, you know, looking for the root cause. And as you said, following guidelines and trying to look for the cause of asthma. Do you have any kind of cases like that that you've experienced or? Oh, yeah, a lot of cases come to mind. So certainly the patients and the, the cause of the cough can change over time, and that's why it's really important to approach these patients with a fresh set of eyes, not make assumptions about what you 
think the cough is from. I think of your patient, you know. The assumption was that it was reflux-induced cough and it turned out to be asthma. And those patients can be very gratifying because you put them on therapy and they feel better right away. And for the first time in months or years, they have relief of cough. That's wonderful. Anything else you would like uh, to share with our audience or maybe future directions you see the field is going or your clinic is going? Oh, I appreciate that question. So because I see a lot of cough hypersensitivity syndrome, and I think, again, this condition is not as well understood in the medical community, I'd like to spend a little bit of time on empiric treatment trials. So it's important to first think about cough. Why are we doing this? Why do we use neuromodulator therapy? Cough hypersensitivity shares qualities with chronic pain. So if you think about somebody with chronic pain, you often think of paresthesia and allodynia and hyperalgesia. Somebody with chronic cough due to cough hypersensitivity has laryngeal paresthesia, so they will commonly describe a tickle in their throat or something stuck in their throat. They will have hypertussia, so you might be exposed to diesel exhaust and cough a couple of times. These patients cough for a half hour. And they also have allotussia, so they'll cough with talking or laughing, things that shouldn't induce a cough. So we use neuromodulator therapy because it shares qualities with neuropathic pain and chronic pain. So importantly, be careful with these medications. Again, it's off-label use. They have a lot of side effects. You want to use one at a time and start with a low dose and slowly up-titrate as tolerated. And keep in mind that patients in their 70s and beyond tend to have a much greater incidence of side effects. So you really want to caution patients and monitor closely for side effects. Wonderful. Any closing notes or remarks for us before we end this podcast? Oh, gosh. So thank you for listening. Please, when you think about chronic cough, try to wipe the slate clean and, and you know, do the appropriate testing. Don't overtest. Look for common causes first because that's mostly what you're going to find. It's, it's not common, the zebras. Common things are common, right? Common things are common. <laughs> that applies for cough like anything else, yeah. Try empiric treatment trials one at a time. I worry about the kitchen sink approach. I see patients mm. that get put on three or four things at once, and then you don't know what worked. And think about those communication skills that we discussed, allowing the patient to talk uninterrupted, validation and managing expectations. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Rachel. And thank you, everyone, for listening today. My guest was Dr. Rachel Talercio, who really established and directs our chronic cough clinic at the Respiratory Institute at the Cleveland Clinic. Thank you very much, Rachel. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Respiratory Exchange. For more stories and information from Cleveland Clinic Respiratory Institute, you can follow us on Twitter at Clee Clinic Lungs or follow me at Dwake MD. Thank you.